0: Section 3 of Mornings at Bow Street by John White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Watchman's Waltz Two young men, the one a deputy drover, and the other an operative bootmaker, were charged by a watchman with having bothered him on his bait, and refused to go along off of it when he told them. He was asked to describe the nature of the bother, and he replied that they came rambling up to him, Intoxicatedly, and him, "'Charlie, where am the weights?' "'I don't know,' says I. "'Get along out of it, and don't be after asking about such nonsense,' says I. "'We won't,' says they. "'We'll wait for the weights and have a dance, "'for we've nothing better to do without we go and break open a house,' says they to me. "'Fate,' says I. "'But you'd better be off to the beds of you. "'Out of the cold,' says I. And with that they got hold of me, and twirled me about, and about for a bit of a waltz, as they called it. So then I twirled my rattle, and they twirled me, and more watchmen came twirling into it. That's the waltz. And we twirled and twirled, all in a bunch together, till at last we managed to twirl them into the door of the watch-house. And here they are, your honor, to answer for that same. The defendants were asked what they had to say for themselves and the drover undertook to be spokesman. Your worships, last night I lost two fat ship, sheep, and I gos me over the water to see for em, and couldn't find him, but nowhere, your worships. Dang the ship, says I, vats the use of walking my legs off arter them. I'll get a drop of some at vom, and comfortable. So I gos me into a public house, and calls for a pint of beer with the chill off, and the beer and the wexing about the ship made me desperate hungry. And so I vox myself to the slap-bang shop for half a pound of beef, and just as I got it up, to pop the first bit, a woman, vault I knows nothing on, comes behind me and vipes it off the fork. Hello, Mrs., says I. Don't you come out of that ere again. Here his narrative was broken off by the magistrate desiring him to come to the watchman's charge at once and he cut short his story by showing his wrist marked with five little wounds all a row which wounds he said were inflicted by the teeth of the lady who wanted his beef and that he got velvot into the bargain by some of her chaps then the loss of his sheep, the bite of the lady and the vopping of the chaps made him desperate out of humor and meeting with his old friend the boot closer they went and got tipsy together and in that state they thought to have a bit of fun with the watchman but he was such a sulky chap that he shut them up for it the magistrate told them to pay their fees and go home and mix a little wisdom with their merriment and future a little bit of caution patrick saul a good-humored looking irishman was charged with maliciously throwing a boy into a deep well with intent to do some grievous bodily harm robert hemmett the boy alluded to was crossing a field at walham green when he met the prisoner who asked him to fetch him half a pint of porter and before he could reply took him up in his arms and threw him into a well in which there was seven feet depth of water having thrown him in he walked leisurely away and had he not been fortunate enough at his first rising to catch hold of the curb of the well he must certainly have been drowned honest patrick said he had no intention of injuring the boy and he denied that he walked away from the well after having thrown him into it i only wanted to give him a dip your honour by way of a little bit of a caution because he is always stazing me about my country and my languages because i happens to be an irishman your honour and please your honour i never meets him not at no time which is every hour in the days of every week almost but he comes after me with a hurrah pat which way does the bull run now saving your honor's presence and i can't get any pace for him at all your honor the lad denied having insulted him in any way but the magistrate did not seem to give much credit to the denial he however asked the prisoner how he could think of adopting such a strangely violent mode of punishing the boy as throwing him into the water why please, your honor i lard a little bit of the blah in my own country into my own hands by baiting him with a stick so i dipped him in the water instead the magistrate laughed at this curious distinction in patrick stahl's irish law and after some further investigation he was ordered to find bail for the assault only the magistrate observed this was a very serious charge and told the prisoner he ought to be very thankful he was not standing at the bar on a charge of murder dunning extraordinary mr thomas kingston a military officer on the half-pay list appeared in custody to answer the complaint of mrs bridget bull mrs bridget bull was an old lady of respectable appearance very gentle in manners and rather infirm she deposed that the defendant mr kingston was indebted to her husband the sum of four pounds six shillings and nine pence half-penny for goods sold and delivered which that he neglected to discharge and thereby caused her husband and herself much trouble and convenience that on wednesday last she by desire of her husband waited upon defendant with an earnest request that he would settle the account forthwith. defendant said it was not convenient for him to, so to do and she therefore took upon herself to remonstrate with him on the impossibility of their waiting any longer whereupon he pushed her out of his room with such violence that she fell down and bruised her arms and back shockingly in proof of the violence she exhibited her arms to the magistrate and doubtless they were bruised shockingly enough mr kingston a goodly portly man of a cheerful look a pleasing eye and a most noble carriage and as we think his age some fifty or by our lady inclining to three score, entered upon his defiance, with an impassioned eloquence that would have done credit, even to a Phillips. He spoke of the nature of his income, making it impossible for him to pay, but at stated periods, and of the remorseless rapacity of tradesmen. He disclaimed all intention of hurting Mrs. Bull, expressed his pity for her bruises, and contended that What he had done, he did in his own personal defense. After having expatiated on all these matters for some time, he, at the earnest request of the magistrate, descended to a particular answer to the charge at issue. In the first place, he said Mr. Bull came, in the morning, urging payment in no very gentle terms. He promised him payment as soon as he should receive money, and with that promise, he departed apparently satisfied, in less than an hour, However, just as he had dressed, and was leaving home in search of money, Mrs. Bull, with Bill in hand, presented herself before the door of the house, and positively forbade his egress. He requested her to get out of his way, and let him pass about his lawful business. But the more he requested, the more she refused. She declared she would never lose sight of him till he paid her for the money, and she dared him to send for a constable to remove her. Then he told her, he should retire to his own private apartment and he warned her of the impropriety and unconstitutionality of following him thither as he should consider it as his castle agreeably to the good old english adage for such cases made and provided she vowed she would follow him whithersoever he went let the consequences be what they might nevertheless he did not believe she would dare to put his threat in execution And therefore, he commenced a retreat towards his own private apartment, and to his great astonishment, she followed him step by step, continually vociferating, "'Pay me my bill, pay me my bill!' Having reached the first landing of the stairs, he attempted a parley, in the hope of convincing her to the impossibility of his paying, without money to pay with. But to all he said, she only answered, "'Pay me my bill!' He retreated further up the stairs, remonstrating as she went, and she still following, with the hateful cry of, Pay me my bill, even into the sacred retreat of his own private apartment. What was to be done? Money he had none. At that moment, he was not ashamed to confess it. He called a Council of War, in his own mind, determined upon a system of operation, and quietly, but firmly, addressing Mrs. Bull. He said, mrs bull you come here to seek money i have none to give you this room is my castle and if you do not depart instanter i shall be under the unpleasant necessity of compelling you having so said he advanced towards her for the purpose of gently ejecting her from the apartment but she was too quick for him she eluded his grasp and seizing him by the under lip led him by it in triumph round the room what could be more annoying than this, to be led about by a violent old woman, holding by a stretched-out and bleeding underlip, The magistrate admitted that it was a very awkward situation. Mr. Kingston continued, Under the circumstances, he called out, as well as he could, for help. She cried out also, but it was the old inveterate cry of, Pay me my bill. At this moment a noise of people approaching was heard, and she relinquished her hold upon his lip. He went to the door, and saw it was Mr. Bull, and a whole posse of his servants and neighbors, coming to the assistance of the lady, and seeing this, he resolutely seized her by the shoulders, put her out of the room, and locked the door before the great body of the enemy could reach it. This was the whole head in front of his offending. If the lady fell and hurt herself in consequence of his ejecting her, he was sorry for it. But she had brought it upon herself by her own misconduct. Finally... He submitted to the magistrate that he was justified in what he had done, inasmuch as the lady was a trespasser on his premises, and he had taken the only means in his power of removing the nuisance. The magistrate held that the means he had used were improper. If, when she insisted upon remaining in his house, he had sent for a constable to remove her, he would have done right. On the contrary, he had taken the law into his own hands and must therefore find bail to answer the assault of the quarter sessions street adequate this was a proceeding by warrant upon a matter of assault and battery alleged to have been perpetrated upon the person of a very nice young attorney mr william henry Squibb, by john bloomer a youthful and golden-haired grower of cauliflowers and capsicums in a pleasant village on the banks of the thames mr william henry squib deposed that on the twenty second of march between the hours of eight and nine o'clock in the evening he the said william henry was passing through leicester square in the parish of st anne soho and in the country of middlesex in perfect good humor with all men that as he the said william henry was so walking in manner aforesaid and having a new brown silk umbrella on his shoulder firelock wise he was aware of the defendant john bloomer coming in an opposite direction in company with two feminine persons, commonly called ladies of easy virtue, by the polite blowens, by the vulgar, and courtesans, by the classically facetious, he, the said John, having one of the said courtesans on either arm, and thereby monopolizing at least two birds of the pavement, that he, the said William Henry, without having any of the slightest intention of offending the said John, regarded the aforesaid ladies of easy virtue with a kind of smile whereupon the said john being irascible and pugnacious temperament did then and there tell the said william henry that he resembled an index post with his umbrella over his shoulder and that if he did not get out of his way he would twist him up into a figure of eight that the said william henry though he had no objection to be denominated an index simply yet he could not bear to have his appellation post appealed to him especially when coupled with the retreat of disordering his person so shockingly as to produce the figure of eight. And considering the aforesaid appellation and threat as calculated and intended to excite a breach of the peace, he did forthwith lay hands on the coat-collar of the said John and call loudly for the watch, in order that the said John might be conveyed to Durrance as a daringly, dangerously, disorderly sort of personage. But that the said John, without waiting the arrival of the watchman, did in- instantaneously let fly a right-handed point-blank belly-go fister into the bread-basket of the said William Henry, thereby depriving him of his wind and convincing him that he had formed a right opinion of the dangerous qualities of the said John. This was the substance of the evidence, and it farther appeared by the conversations which ensued that Mr. William Henry Squibb not only lost his wind but his umbrella also, by the violence of the stomachic concussion above mentioned, but that nevertheless a parley ensued, which ended in Mr. John Bloomer, going voluntarily to the watch-house. There, the night constable refusing to interfere, cards of address were interchanged, that on the following morning, and for several days thereafter, sundry chalk-farmish messages passed and repassed between the parties, that their gunpowder... Propensities, cities however gradually and mutually evaporated and in conclusion mr william henry Squibb determined to apply to the laws of his country for red dress mr john bloomer began his defence by informing the magistrate that it was an understood thing a sort of street etiquette observed by all well-bred people that when one gentleman happened to be in company with the ladies of a certain description no other gentleman should at all interfere in the business either by casting tender regards upon the said ladies or otherwise this general understanding the complaint had grossly violated by looking very significantly towards the whole party and he therefore very properly as he thought applied the term index post to him and his shoulder umbrella but complainant took the term so to heart that he seized him by the collar and then he certainly did strike him something in the matter he had described and he would do so again under similar circumstances let the consequences be what they might he would not be insulted he said by any man or attorney either mr william henry Squibb now drew forth a large bundle of letters supposed to be the warlike epistles above mentioned and was preparing himself to go more fully into his case when the magistrate desired him to reserve his documents for the sessions for he really had no more time to waste upon the matter and having so said he ordered the defendant to find bail in less than ten minutes however the parties again presented themselves before the bench and said they had agreed to shake hands and say no more about it upon which his worship observed that he wished with all his heart they had thought of that mode of settling the matter an hour sooner End of section three.